Hi, you're listening to Elevate, the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. There's no denying that there is always going to be elements of self-doubt whenever you want to take the next step. But it's really about how you tame that self-doubt and channel in another person and says, what's the worst that can happen? Actually believing it yourself and believing your own hype, if you're not that certain type of person naturally, can be quite a a process to learn. It's not always a straightforward thing to say, just follow your dream and you're going to make it. I think it's about whether you follow it immediately or follow it at some point, just make sure you're true to yourself. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, a series designed to explore teachings, ideas, and thoughts on empowering young girls while celebrating difference. I'm Ramita Anand, your host, teacher, and educational mentor, and I'll be chatting with insightful activists, thought leaders, creatives, and all-round brilliant champions for girls. Through these conversations and my work at Elevate RA Mentoring Services, I hope we can join forces to foster meaningful connections in order to alter the narrative around what being different, especially for young girls, signifies. Today's episode is a special one in that I am not featuring just one, but two inspiring people who have worked together to bring their dream into a hugely successful reality in only a few short years. Together, they have created a design and decor platform from their mutual love of prettifying parties. Two detail-loving perfectionist Virgos, these two mamas decided to leave the corporate world behind and follow the self-made dream, taking events to a whole new luxe level in the process. What followed was a limitless experience of colour, creative fulfilment and industry recognition, all whilst pushing creative boundaries that have become synonymous with their beautiful brand. At the heart of this duo remains creative respect, dedication, friendship and laughter. Be it working together through the night to deliver the perfect brief or boomeranging their behind-the-scenes pursuits, they have left their stamp of innovation and exhilarating beauty anywhere and everywhere you can possibly imagine. The Decor Design House is unlike anything seen in the UK market in recent times. Having already amassed a core Instagram following in a very short space of time and with a wealth of impressive corporate and private clients under their tool belts, they are fast becoming the go-to event and decor stylists for our discerning, style-conscious generation. Priding themselves on a distinctly innovative, entirely bespoke approach to each and every project, they work tirelessly and I can certainly attest to this myself as I have witnessed it firsthand to bring their clients vision to life whilst also ensuring their signature touch remains one that emulates luxury elegance style and originality based in West London they have been commissioned all over the UK and abroad to spread their own brand magic And be it be a balloon installation, floral commission, or the perfect Instagrammable backdrop, their undoubted versatility and meticulous eye for detail guarantees you a show-stopping result each and every time. They are inspirational. They are hardworking women and mothers that happen to also follow and pursue Picasso's belief that everything you can imagine is real. 
Well, this motivating quote aligns so well with what Elevate wants to bring girls everywhere. I could not have been more excited to welcome these two beauties who I am also extremely proud and privileged to call my friends to the Elevate podcast today. A very, very warm welcome to the visionaries behind the excellent Ilari events, Sahar and Alex. A hugely warm welcome to you both. Hello. Hi, my loves. So, so good to finally speak to you. Yes, this is such a treat and so exciting, really. It feels like an age since we've been able to sit down and chat. So this is on a personal level, really exciting. And I think on a professional level, I think it's going to be super inspiring for all those that are listening. So thank you. You're so, so welcome. It's been a journey for both of you. I know that. And I'm grateful that you carved out the time from your amazingly crazy schedules. I wanted to firstly ask you how you both are doing in this mad time around the world. That That is the question. <laughs> we're, we're sort of taking it day by day. Um, things are changing. There's There's been very little sort of consistency as you know as well we're, we're in different regions but I'm sure we've been through very similar experiences um, but we're, we're rolling with the punches so every day new challenges new things that we have to face but we're just hitting it with a really positive mindset and um yeah just pl- plowing through short short plans <laughs> yes yeah not planning is the, probably the thing so I've been lucky enough to know you now for a few years and I've been privilege to watch the ride that you've been on. It's been incredible. And it's a journey that I can't wait to share with all my listeners. But before we get into that, I really wanted to talk a little bit about your previous lives, the lives before Ilari became a reality. It's a sensational duo that you've created. And I would love to know more about your journey to Ilari. So could we start by talking about what you were both doing professionally prior to setting up Ilari events and maybe how your aspirations as young girls, what kind of dreams you might have had and what you saw yourselves doing as adults, how that aligned with it or if it didn't. When I was little, I always dreamt of being an artist whenever anyone asked me my my you know, answer would be artist. I didn't even know what that really meant. Um, but life kind of takes its uh, twists and turns. And I ended up um, going into investment banking. I mean, it, it just led me down that route. And it paid the bills and it made my parents very happy and all that kind of good stuff that you, you know, you want to pick those boxes. But then it just got to a stage where I still had that burning passion and desire to do, to fulfill that little girl childhood dream of me, to be that artist. So after I had my own little girls, I had two um, little daughters. Um, I just, um, I, I met Sahar and I guess through confidence in seeing someone else sort of on the same level as me, I just thought it was, it just felt gut instincts that we always go on as well. We mm. always talk about, but it just felt like the right time to take that leap of faith. And we touch with touch with, we've been incredibly l- lucky, you know, with things like COVID thrown at us to try and like, <laughs> to try and, you know, throw a spanner in the works, but we've still, yeah, we, we've really given it our, our all. You certainly have. Yeah. What about you, Sahar? What were you doing before you started Ilari? So, um, so I always kind of really wanted to be in fashion. I think since I was about 14 or 15, um, I just, I used to watch people sitting at the edge of catwalks and, uh, and I went to my careers advisor at school and I said, what, what is it they do? And she was like, they're buyers. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want to be. And she was like, yeah, they fly around the world and they buy clothes. And I was like, that is so me. So um, I really, really wanted to be it, but um, coming from 
Middle Eastern parents. They obviously don't necessarily um, believe in the art world as much. They don't believe, you know, they, they like you to have it as a hobby, but not necessarily as a job. So I was very much pushed into doing something a bit more academic. Um, so that first they pushed me towards law. I didn't even last a month. <laughs> <laughs> I quickly changed my degree to business of computing and I was like, this is going to be a compromise. You get your degree and I get, you know, I get to do something that's business related. Um, but all along, I was kind of alongside it. I was doing stuff at London College of Fashion and St. Martin's and just wanted to have my foot in the door and have the connection to the network because I knew ultimately that's what I wanted to do. Um, so, and that's where my journey really started in fashion. So I got my first job in buying and uh, I was in it for almost 20 years, um, traveled the world, had the best time. Um, and then it came to one, being a mom, and, uh, that career driven person that was, you know, um, always traveling, always living out of a suitcase in a hotel, uh, just wasn't the life I don't think for a mother. I wanted, a, I wanted to have a bit of creativity but also I wanted to be able to have the work-life balance um, and also just put the creativity that I have always felt into something that was like my own and be my own boss. Um, that's when our, you know, our paths crossed as mums. Ah, so you met as mums, as friends as mums. Friends as mums, yeah. We were friends first and then we became mums at similar times. And we just got talking and I used to watch Alex and think she does incredible things and we used to help Likewise. each other with baby showers and, you know, you were the only person that you could set that would stay up with you till two in the morning to blow up balloons or, you know, to make little um, keepsakes and, you know, goodie bags and stuff. No other person would, would be that crazy to stay with you <laughs> yeah. and do those things. And all along these, um, these setups, we would have these sort of kind of weird, a bit dreamy conversations say, Oh, what if we just, what if we did this? Like in England, you know, there isn't anything like this where somebody comes in, um, you know, quite tastefully, quite modern and, and takes yeah. all that uh, uh, thought off the, off the mother and says, I'm going to do your party and I'm going to make it look great for you and your family and I'm going to give you that memorable moment. So actually it all started off us thinking we were going to do it as um, kids party. Yeah, we saw that gap in the market. And we uh, that's yeah, it started there, but it just went. It just went somewhere crazy. Yeah, I know it's really has. So it's interesting what you say though that both of you had some sort of internal conflict, whether that was when you were a young daughter trying to please your parents, or then as parents and mothers trying to make sure you got the balance right for your own children. That internal uh, dialogue of getting it right for yourself, making sure you pursue your own dreams while still making sure everyone that you are responsible for feel looked after is quite a common one for women in business particularly. How did you find that navigating those emotions and, and really understanding, especially culturally for yourself, uh, particularly Zahar, but maybe you too, Alex, did you find that you were having to compromise before you could settle on what your real passion was? Absolutely. A compromise is, is the big thing. There's no shame in kind of trying to tick those boxes and make your parents proud and all those kind of things, you know. But I think overall, for me, the big turning point was when I knew that, you know, I would be a role model for my girls. And I didn't, I, it was kind of a bit about authenticity, I felt. I just felt like I didn't want to be someone that I, I wasn't 
I, I wasn't really. Um, I wanted to show them, you know, give them an example that if you have this dream, as cheesy as that may sound, you have this dream that you can work hard towards achieving it. And it just felt like it was coming from a more authentic place to do that in something that I loved, that was a passion. So, um, but yes, definitely, I mean, it's a daily compromise. It's a childcare compromise. It's uh, yeah. from every angle. The conflict is yeah. there all the time, I think, for women more than more than men in some instances. Uh, just because you're always battling, whether it's on your career, career path or whether it's in a promotion in a corporate environment or um, whether, you know, whether it's sacrificing how hard you work to get to a stage in your life and knowing that you biologically you also want to be a mother and you know you, you have that maternal instinct and then once you've had the baby then you know do you go back to work full-time do you get back on in the rat race or do you it's just constant I agree and I think that particularly when you're taking a risk as something that you you know yes you saw a gap in the market but there was no guarantee in a paycheck at that point was there and I think what it speaks to in terms of that the, the inner voice that I try to talk to my girls about with self-doubt in big milestones like this, you know, when you're trying to provide for your family or you're trying to make career choices, I feel like that self-doubt voice gets louder and louder and louder and can take over our thought processes so much that it stops you from taking that first step. So tell me, because this is where I think it was a really nice segue, what were your main sources of inspiration how did you create this distinct and specific flair to what you created? And what is it that you do to achieve the idea that this is something that we're going to keep working at and it doesn't matter if it doesn't work out yet? It has worked out for you, I know. And a lot of success stories start off with wonderful notions that we are planning something, but we don't know where it's going to go. So how did you navigate those thoughts for yourself? So we we really, um, we were very organic about the whole thing. And we had the discussions with our, uh, our partners um, and, you know, they're extremely supportive um, and we wanted them to, to understand that we were going to give this a shot. Uh, it was a dream that we both had and it just, it felt more and more real every day that we talked about it. And there, were, there was lots of self-doubt and it's still to this day, you, you know, there's no denying that there is always going to be elements of self-doubt mm. in, in all of us, you know, in what we do, however successful you are, however good your business is, whenever you want to take the next step or change direction in anything in your life, there's always going to be that element. But it's really about how you, how you tame that same doubt, self-doubt and how you channel in kind of another person that mm. then comes in and and is kind of your cheerleader and says come on I know you can do this what's the worst that can happen give it a try give it a go you know make the change so we've all we've all got that both of us still you know we have discussions about things you know within ourselves mm -hmm. this year in particular um you know was a year of wow you know we were flying and now it's hit something completely out of our control um and you know we had to make some quick decisions and and make some real uh, sort of business decisions and, and all of that self-doubt was there because we were like, is it going to happen? Is there going to be a business after COVID? Do we have to go to other jobs? You know, there's, there's lots of those elements. But um, I think the main thing is just to stay really, really focused um, and really kind of on your path. So our creativity comes from the void, uh, you know, what there isn't, not what there is and making it better, but what there isn't in existence. And that's really what our creativity comes from. And that's why it's original and it's authentic and, you know, mm -hmm. and people like it because it's what they don't see elsewhere. 
Yeah, for sure. Is is that also the thing that helps fuel your ideas is looking at what people are saying when they see the work because it's so unique and it's got such a flair to it. For anyone listening and hasn't yet been wowed by the Ilari effect, please check out their Instagram or check out their website to see some of the installations they've created. I spoke a little bit about it in the introduction, but there are some serious wow factors in, in the work that you've put together. It's amazing. Do you mood board beforehand? How, how do you get to the final product? We do. We, I feel like we're each other's soundboard with that mm. kind of stuff. We, we start in a place and then we back and forth, back and forth, and it will end up in probably usually somewhere stratospheric, somewhere yeah. <laughs> completely blue sky where budgets don't exist and, you know, there are no... Unicorns are flying. <laughs> That's where we'll end up. But then even going to a happy medium, like reaching a happy medium for a client, is usually something pretty special. We're pretty yeah. lucky like that. So um, yeah, it's it's quite a it's quite a special little thing that we have between ourselves. To be honest with you, I think in for us the the fact that there's two of us that we can bounce off each other. Mm-hmm. There's a real strength in that. Anyway, for me, I know I couldn't have done this on my own. Yeah, and so. I, I I always say I needed that somebody to give me that kick, yeah, and we, we were both each other's somebody. And it's yeah. it's like group hug. <laughs> Honestly, my work wife, spend more time with her actual husband. Like your work wife. I love it. I love it. I know. And I, you know, initially met Sahar and fell in love with her immediately, her energy, everything. And when she said, Oh, you'll meet my business partner next time, and I met you, and it was, it was like an extension of love. The energy just flows through both of you. And you you embrace, we embrace the whole of it, you know, and it's so nice because you genuinely do complement each other in that way, which is something I'm going to speak to a little bit more in terms of how to help other girls navigate what girl power looks like. But the the motto that I try and use and all the time, it's all over my website, which is dream big, achieve bigger. And that's what I think you embodied so beautifully with Ilari. Did you ever imagine that you'd be working with the likes of Vogue and some of the celebrities that you have done now as a regular feature almost? Um, you know, you said you do this work and you get these clients all the time. When you first plant this seed, when someone starts on a dream, how do you grow that seed? What did you continually tell yourselves or do? Because it's not just saying it out loud or planting a seed, is it? There's effort that comes into it. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But tell me, how you cultivated that dream for yourselves uh yeah i think for us we we didn't initially said like we said when we first talked about it we thought there was we were just going to do kids parties and baby showers i think it was only within a few weeks of us posting Mm -hmm. that people started to contact us from blogger agencies from brands um and see and saw something unique in us it's almost like they believed in us before we yes. believed in ourselves, <laughs> yeah. um, the first few weeks, because we were just like, let's just upload stuff and we'll see the odd weekend here. And, you know, it was, we we knew what we had, but I don't think we knew necessarily at that stage the potential of, of this and where it could go. We knew we wanted to get, it was something we dreamed of, but we didn't think it would happen that quickly. Exactly. Um, and the, the moment we started to get into the brands, um, and one brand watches you and another brand watches you and the PR agency start talking about you, then it's, you know, you just elevate to another level and you're suddenly on the map. You know, people know that you're the person they come to for these things. And because I guess we kept continuing to deliver something new, something mm-hmm. fresh, something out of the box, um, you know, they felt like 
they, they needed to come to us to, to get that. Um, so you're, con- you're continually innovative, right? You're, you're not just sticking to the same formula. No, no, no. We, it's, it's our big, big thing. We, we even, our even USP is innovation. Big time. Even when people come to us, we, we get, obviously, we put something out there and people and say, and repeatedly, we want that, we want, we always, even with our own stuff, we won't necessarily replicate the same thing. We're like, there's always a way of looking at it from a different angle, from switching it up to, to, to just to freshen it up, you know, like, even with our own stuff, so let alone anything else that's out there. So um, that that's just always that's just mm-hmm. always the way we work, and, yeah. and it really really does work for us. Oh, amazing! And something we just talked talked a little bit about earlier, which brings me on to this idea that I think that you were celebrated by the brands and the PR agencies and everything else because of what you bring as two people to your brand. I think, you know, without getting all emotional and tearful, you genuinely <laughs> you genuinely are two women who for me anyway, the examples of girl power in the truest form, which I think is what I want all girls to understand. You know, there's this it really is. It's a really as a teacher, as a mother of of a young girl myself, I think the mean girl ideas of of putting you know competitiveness and putting others down to get ahead for yourself there's so much of that around even in women's world not just girls world but so seeing women and i just think that the way we can help our girls become the right kind of women leaders and embrace girl power even in in the workplace in the corporate world in the entrepreneurial world is by having role models like you so i think it's what your connection brings and it, it stems from your energy, the two of you, right? Tell me what it was like for you and how you empower each other, what it is like for you working in the environment that you work in. And do you come across people that sometimes don't emulate the same energy that you put across? Because it can't, all, I don't, maybe it is for you, I don't know, but it's not always easy when you meet others that don't align with your vision or don't align with your energy. We've, we've always, as, you, as you've seen from our social media, I guess that's our tone of voice, the tone of voice socially, right? We've always adopted a super positive, super uplifting, um, you know, and we, we genuinely back that up. It's not just something we say to be cute on social mm. media. It's something we truly believe. Um, so it runs through everything that we do. I mean, during COVID, we, kind of started this Ilari, hashtag Ilari made me do it. Because we just saw so, from speaking to so many peers and so many women that had were in the same situation as us, that had really given up everything, were mothers, and now were faced with zero jobs, all the cancellations, none of the inspiration. And we were like, what can we do with this? Mm. Because that life can't stop, you know, this will go back to people eventually. Let's just put out inspo and like motivate people and feature other companies. People were like, some people came to us and said, why are you featuring competitors? Like, are you yeah. guys crazy? And I'm like, no, 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 it's not about that. This moment in time is not about who's a competitor, who's your, you know, who's going to take your job. It's just about like getting through it together. Yeah. And in that, in that mentality, we actually made really, really good friends and a really, really solid community that you know, we, we, we were so, so lucky that we have the followers that we do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every even we'll post the most like in, inane, like nothing thing. And they'll just like, I think they're just like, maybe I'd like to think that they're repaying us for all the support and the, and the you know, kind of uplifting um, sort of thing that we the showed them, spirit, the spirit yeah. that we showed yeah. them in, in lockdown as well. So it's just been such a valuable time for us, I think, this past year yeah. to reconnect with our community. 
Well, that's so lovely and inspirational because honestly, in a time where everyone is battling and trying to make ends meet, you do think, and there has been, I don't know if we've cultivated as a society for ourselves, but we always think that there's a finite amount of resource out there, that there isn't enough space for other women to join this world, which you've just proven, you know, you can bring in as many of, uh, there's so much out there, there's ample resource and we don't need to be fighting each other or competing with each other in order to succeed in our own right. You're confident in, in yourself, you know, and I think as two two individuals, Alex and I, um, a lot of our personality is in the brand. So what you see about non-competitiveness, no ego, you know, all of that stems from our friendship in the first instance, you know, and and not being competitive with each other, not being competitive with our friends. You know, any any of our friends would be able to say that about us. Um, And all of that channels through to the business and and the ethos and and the soul of the brand that we've created. Although to the world we're we're a brand, to us we're just still each other, and you know, and a lot a lot of that positivity and energy, and we we kind of talk to our audience and to our followers and to our clients like they're our friends. You know, if you go to someone's house, you know, we've been to people's houses where we walked into, you know, that mother being not in a great place, and before we've even started doing the decor, we start a counselling session. <laughs> and we're like, we understand. We've had a baby. We've had kids. You know, and and you know, sometimes the the setup can take another two hours extra because <laughs> we've spent an hour just talking to this person and connecting with that person because our clients are so important to us. Um, that's why people like us, and that's why people stay loyal to us because they they see us and they don't just see a company; they see us. I don't know how possible not to be a company. Yeah. That's such a great example, I think, and something that we can all take from because we're also busy trying to be the best version and get become successful in our own right. But I think success, whilst helping others continually feel their best, is is the best type of success one can possibly achieve in their in their day to day career. But there's there's a real question around: Do you feel that this energy translates then do you find that you can you can teach that to people that work for you or other women that you work with or other brands that you associate yourselves with how does that work <clears throat> do you find that challenging or is that pretty straightforward once people know what you're about it becomes quite clear where, where everyone stands i think they, they buy into so, so you mentioned hashtag the alari effect so so we just kind of made a fun identifier but what we genuinely mean by that is the entire package so you know what you're going to get when you come in it's going to be like a high energy fast moving you know there's going to be it's going to be something aesthetically beautiful to look at but also it comes with a lot of energy mm. and positivity behind it um so I, I i personally don't feel that day to day we need to sort of fake it to make it which is something we, it's it's our brand ethos mm. that i just run it through everything that we do yeah, that's so beautiful. I mean, I hope this inspires lots of young girls and, and women that want to make it in the world that, they, that they're growing in. And I think sometimes historically, we have been taught to put ourselves against each other in order to get where we need to. And I think breaking that as young as possible is really important. I don't know if you see it in the playgrounds with your daughters at school in the in the classrooms on the pitches when they're playing sport it it becomes apparent quite quickly when they're growing up and and so breaking that barrier i think and having these conversations and showing examples like yours are such a such a helpful one so thank you for the work that you're doing (laughs) 
Um, I've also seen how hard you work. I know that we've talked about the Ilari effect and the magic and the energy. Yes, that's there. And the dream was there. But it hasn't come without huge amounts of diligence and grit, passion, creativity, which you bring to every single client. And I can say that, you know, witnessing it firsthand. Um, is this something you feel that you both innately have? Is this a quality that if somebody was listening, saying, well, I couldn't do what they're doing because I, I just don't have those qualities? Or do you think it's something that you've can teach yourselves or something you can develop it depends if you're passionate i think if you're passionate about something um, you'll have the drive and and the the uh, willpower to do anything to push yourself to do anything to work all hours um because it's something we enjoy we obviously put all hours of the day into it apart from that i think we're grafters you know <laughs> we're not afraid to get our hands dirty we're not afraid to work you know, 18 hour All days, hours, yeah. we, seven days a week, because we have such a passion for, for this baby we've created and this business that we've created and neither of us can stop. Um, and I, I <laughs> have neither of us ever want to stop, but um, yeah, it's, 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 it's about passion. I think if you love what you do every day, and this is why it was so important, although both of us came round to this in completely different ways, different times we came to what we wanted, what we wanted this to be, um, we both came in with the same amount of, of passion and drive. And if you're passionate about what you choose, you will you will want to make it amazing, and you'll be great at it. But that again, if we go right back to the first question I asked you about what it is what you dreamt about being when you were younger, it's isn't it interesting that you might have known that. And, and actually what you're saying is if you find what you love and you know what you love and you pursue what you love, then the rest of it comes easily, more, more easily, maybe, maybe luck, maybe luck has to do with it a little bit, but, but genuinely, I think that that talks to all parents, maybe teachers, helping young girls really find the things that they love and encouraging those. Would you agree? I said earlier as well, you know, because we have our own children and because of where we were in our lives. We are both very tuned into what they like, even from a really young age. I mean, they're six and four, but already we're beginning to see, oh, is this one a bit more creative? And this one's a bit more academic. And yeah. this, and it's not that either, you know, one is better than the other, but actually do we put them in the right schools? Do we give them the right tools to be able to push themselves forward and elevate, you know, in what, they, what they're good at? You know, I don't for a minute regret where I've been because whichever way I came around to it the other thing I really believe in is destiny yeah, it was meant to be but maybe right, maybe you know. we were meant to go off and do other things and learn other skills and you know to be able to apply them to what you're yeah, doing now you yeah. know, there is a lot of what we've learned previously that have been so much of what people see on Instagram and what people see on our website is creative but behind it you know 80% of it is running the business it's talking to the clients, it's being able to do sales, it's being able to do social media marketing and all these areas that actually, they're not necessarily what you see on a, on a flat screen with just a beautiful uh, installation. So actually a lot of what we probably know and have fought in is subconsciously from what we've learned, you know, in our previous careers as well. So it's not always kind of a straightforward thing to say, just follow your dream and it's, you're going to make it. I think it's about whether you follow it immediately or follow it at some point, just make sure you're true to yourself. And if something else is something you have to do, for example, let's say if you're a singer-songwriter and you wanted to be a musician, but you knew you still had to pay your mortgage, 
you know, if you have to do something else yes. in the interim, you know, make that thing count uh, so that at least when you become a musician or you become an artist, you can you can channel in what you've learned from the, the thing that's given you a financial gain in life. I love that. Yeah, that's really important. I think you've set, you've hit the nail on the head there that whatever opportunity comes your way, put your whole self into it and make it the most for yourself because you don't know at what point you might rely on those skills. And yeah, what you say about behind the scenes, I think it's true too. I think that someone who says, oh, I never need maths because I'm going to work in creative world and I don't need to know numbers. But actually, like you said, there's so much accounting and maths and business skill involved in even being creative. Okay, so the five superpowers that I think make Elevate Girls the the dream girl package are if you instill in them confidence, empathy, resilience, emotional intelligence and kindness and you too have bucketfuls of that because as you say, you don't just do the project, you, you're relating to the client, you have empathy for the new mom that's planning this new party for her new baby, you're doing all of that. And I believe you spread a lot of kindness and you elicit joy to others. But tell me what it takes from you personally. What kind of resilience do you think you need when you get into these types of contracts, jobs, and what happens when it all becomes so overwhelming, which it must do? Um, I think just believing in, uh, again, as cheesy as it sounds, but believing in your talent. So uh, that's something that I really, um, I'm not sure about Saha, but I actually struggled with quite a bit. I even though I wanted to be an artist and all of that kind of stuff and I dreamt it and you know I was getting all this feedback from all these things that we were doing with Ilari and oh this is amazing that is amazing actually believing it yourself and believing your own hype can be if, if, if you're not if you're not that certain type of person naturally can be quite a, quite a process to learn um so I, th- I think just sticking with that and actually without you know whilst remaining humble and you know, all those lovely qualities that you have to as a, you know, to, to be a functioning human being in society. But like, you just, you know, trust in in that process when people are giving you that feedback and that, you know, um, absorb it and take it. I think in, in English culture in general, and I think this is where we were quite different as Ilari, um, you know, self-promotion isn't necessarily a very hot thing. So you're, you know, you have to be very like, self-deprecating not me not me not me if you don't shout about yourself who on earth will yeah so we adopted even though it may not in the beginning have been an entirely natural thing to us we adopted quite a i wouldn't say aggressive but quite a you know powerful full-on like look this is what we're doing and we think it's great you know mm-hmm. and the more and more you say it and the more and more you put it out there the more you actually in the end believe it and that it's just a cycle that kind of works yeah. for you that yeah. feeds feeds back to your talent and your creativity. So I would say, um, you know, uh, believing in yourself, it really, yeah. it really does. It, it's, a, it's something you have to learn, but once you do, it can actually do amazing things for your talent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting as well, because there's a fine balance between arrogance and getting too caught up in the success as well. And, and, and at the same time, not putting yourself and celebrating the wins that you have with the, I think it's confident humility that Adam Grant calls it, which I love. I think that's a really nice way to bring those two points together. It's, it's really interesting. And I think what you've just said about growth mindset, really speaking to yourselves and allowing yourselves to have these beliefs and you should be celebrating that. What do you think then, I'm probably touching on what we've just said, what really drives success in people's lives? And I know that could be different culturally, that could be different person to person, but I wondered in your world, because from all perspectives, I 
wonder how much your background, your upbringing, your education, maybe a bit of everything has allowed you to define what success is for you. But what, what do you think are the bits that define success? Um, I would say, um, from again, from like you said, from our background, um, mainly it would be um, change, uh, being open to change, and knowing knowing who you are, being confident in who you are, and and basically being open to change, because you you know you can you can choose and plan and do lots of things in your life, but sometimes. The world doesn't allow it to be that way. And sometimes you change as a person, you know, we're growing all the time. It, I think that for me personally, the key to, to success for me is being open to change. Yeah, you really re- elicited that in the, in the recent pandemic, haven't you? Because what was a terrible time for so many business owners, um, because for obvious reasons in events, particularly there were no events happening, but you two little creative geniuses managed to find something pretty impressive out of that time. And, and you obviously brought joy to other people during a difficult time as well, but you managed to create and almost grow the business. Am I incorrect in saying that, or is that accurate? You're absolutely right. Uh, in terms of, if we're going to measure, obviously success isn't necessarily followers, but we're, we're very proud. We actually yesterday hit 150,000 followers on Instagram. So <laughs> every single one of those followers has been genuine. Like mm. we never bought them. So we're, we're really, really proud of that. In a world where you can kind of, you know, buy this stuff, we've let it come organically. And it's something we're incredibly proud of. So our growth, actually, when we were looking at it, I think it was exponential during the, the year that we were at home. But I think that's because obviously everybody was on their phones. Everybody was just hungry, hungry for something mm. to you know, light them up and inspire them and get them going. And I think, I think that's maybe where we tapped into. I think these are all really great tips for young people wanting to try and set up something that they think is unimaginable. Have you got anything else that you'd like to add to the things that we've already discussed? Is there anything else that you'd love to give advice to for young listeners, young parents with young girls that, who have aspirations of doing something different? Um, I would say mainly just listen. If you're a parent, listen to your children. And I don't always mean make them talk because we know children don't like necessarily talking and saying out loud what they think. But, but really, you know, you brought these humans into this world and as great as it is to provide them with materialistic things, to send them to good schools or, you know, go to work and come back. But the reality is that we're all, if, you, if you're parents, you're bringing up little human beings and you want to make sure they're as um, mentally, socially, physically developed as possible. And I think it... it you know, even in the old days with our parents, you know, it was all about just grafting and bringing in the money in and not necessarily how are your kids feeling, you know, how how are they mentally? So I think this whole um, being aware of your kids' mental health, what they feel, what are they feeling is so, so important from such a young age. So I think as parents, I would say being vigilant and being aware of your children and the type of children you're bringing up and understand, be conscious of their behavior. If you think they have confidence issues, you know, channel it in a way where you can help them with that. If you think, you know, they're more academic, then, you know, just understanding your children. And I think kids, you know, just learning to not have to feel like you have to conform and not having to impress, not wanting to conform, because actually being you 
finding yourself and being you is the most important thing you can be. And you won't realize that at 12 or 13, but you'll realize it when you're 30 and you you look back and you think, wow, I really had, I was really my own person. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't go through peer pressure. I, you know, I wasn't affected by, um, you know, uh, girl, you know, bad girl behavior and envy and jealousy, but, you know, really just focusing on yourself and, and understanding who you are as a person. And it can be difficult at that age. Oh, absolutely. You're going through so many hormones and boys and, you know, other girls and distractions. Yeah, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's a time when lots of us don't think about impact and ripple effect and how actually your actions today can have a ripple effect um, and affect and, and touch so many other people. And that's the thing that possibly, as you say, in, as something as simple as your Instagram account growing, it was a ripple effect of somebody feeling joy through those photographs, maybe sharing them with somebody else. But it's the same thing, in, in I think, in a classroom or in a restaurant, wherever you might be, how you show up. And how what you say to people can make that difference in people's lives. I think that's really important. Personally, then, both for both of you, who are your own role models? Oh, God, that is a good question. Mm. Um, I would have to say um, my dad. Oh, <laughs> um, that's uh, nice. But both my parents, actually. But just um, in terms of work ethic, I've never to this day met anybody that worked as hard as him and, you know, did everything that he possibly could to provide for his children. So I think I think definitely um, that that's my modern day superhero for sure. Watching him and knowing that it was a struggle, but never showing us as kids that it was a struggle. That's definitely something I try and emulate in my everyday as well with my kids. So yeah, oh, that's so touching. Uh, definitely, definitely a dad, dad for me. And yeah. I know what you're going to say, yeah. um, mum for sure. My mum, yeah, she would. Um, yeah she was she was amazing and and so much of what I feel and what I express is is very much how she lived her life and it's it's weird because it was never too like too much spoken about it was just what I witnessed about her that made me you know feel the feelings that I have but you know as an immigrant coming to this country um you know she had a she had a really academic job she was a mathematics lecturer in, in Tehran and then and we came over here as immigrants and obviously she didn't speak the language. And within a week, she became a hairdresser and beautician. And within a few weeks, she had over 200 clients. And, you know, and, and she to her, she showed me that drive and that tenacity and that, you know, power to be able to change yourself and not have an ego. You know, she had no qualms about one minute, you know, being a lecturer and the next minute, you know, washing people's hair and not for that that was an issue and I know similar yeah. you know similar with your background as well you know they came into these countries and and they just took the jobs they had to take mm -hmm. uh, to give a better life for their kids and for for us it's like we owe something to them big time because yeah we stand they, on their they, shoulders yeah they've instilled something in us that um that makes us want to make them proud um even when they're not here yeah definitely I'm sure that they're feeling proud of you what would you tell your teen selves today, knowing what you know? I, I don't want you to change anything about your teen selves, but what advice would you like to go back to and, and think about yourself as a young teen girl? What would you like to whisper into her ear? I would definitely, for me, as a personality back then, I've grown a lot since then, but I would say be brave. 
a lot of a lot of things scared me back then. I, you know, I lacked a lot of confidence in myself, in my abilities. Um, but yeah, I, I would definitely give a good old, you know, pat and like a you just say, you know, just be brave. Just you, in, until you try, you just don't know what is the worst that could happen. And that's I think I was always worried about what hadn't happened. And it's like, well, you're never gonna know unless you try. So definitely, um, yeah, a bit a bit less of the fear factor for me being braver, which which now as an adult, as a mum, I just feel so much more connected in that sense. And I'm so, so much braver. And I've, I have achieved so much because of it. I've seen, I've seen the power. I've seen physically what happens when you are brave and you you, you go for it. So um, I always imagine maybe if I had been when I was younger, maybe I could have done some of this sooner and got further and all this kind of stuff. So to all those girls listening, I would say definitely, definitely just, you know, bite the bullet and be brave. Literally an article I wrote today on fear and how it can paralyze you and stop growth if we keep letting it get hold of us. So yeah, I love that. I think that's a really interesting and poignant point to make for all of us, even as adults, we feel that I think at times. Yeah. What about you, Sahar? What would you tell yourself as a teen girl? I think for me, I would probably say to myself, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, uh... Because I had so many thoughts flying around so much confusion uh, in terms of what my parents, conflict in terms of what my parents were telling me I should be and uh, the guilt I felt towards what I owed my parents because they'd come all the way here and they were trying to make a great life for us. And I felt like I owed something to someone. So there was this constant guilty feeling and conflict in me. Um, and, you know, there were so many things. Like one minute I was like, should I be this? Should I be this? Should I be this? It had to all be perfect. Um, and I think that also comes from being a Virgo. Definitely. Um, literally whisper in my ear, it's going to be okay. Whatever decision you make, whatever choice I, I ended up making in life, you know, at the time I thought I wanted to be a fashion buyer and I wanted to study fashion. But actually I studied business and I still got into fashion. And whichever route I took, I still ended up doing what I loved. Um, so just telling myself it's going to be okay and, and to just go with it. I think it's something we should whisper into our children's ears every night before they go to bed. I think they do carry that weight, don't they? They, Without us knowing it, they just keep on having these in, intense amounts of pressure upon themselves, I think, to to try and work out what they need to be and what they have to be at, yeah, young, at such a vulnerable young age. And you don't really have to have it sorted at that point, do you? Definitely. But we can definitely be there to guide them. It's pretty incredible seeing your kids and actually see aspect, you know, I see flashes of my former, you know, maybe purity or, you know, that kind of fear factor. And it's amazing that I'm now able to just, you know, bring it in and actually just try and help her work with it. Whereas maybe people back in my day wouldn't have necessarily noticed or nurtured those things as much as we do these days. So I feel like our resources are so much better these days for those kinds of things. But um, as mums, we can really, yeah, we can, we can really yeah, push them. Yeah, that's such an interesting point, because I feel probably a generation, maybe it's happening a little bit in this generation too, but you're right. I think there's a greater amount of awareness and, and we're more attuned to that. What would you like to see change for girls in the future? I'd love for them to be, to be able to be more open with each other and to be able to talk about their feelings more. And to almost, you know, now I look back at like being a teenager and, and you have so much false confidence and you put on such a front and you put on a mask. Mm. And I, I wish, I wish to God there was a way we could kind of unveil that mask a bit earlier 
So, you know, I mean, now you sort of sit here and go, oh, I wish I could tell my 20-year-old self or my 16-year-old self to be more like this. And I wish there was a way we could, you know, maybe through platforms like yourself, through Mm -hmm. more mental health, through community therapy, um, and just through upbringing, bringing our kids up so much better, so much kinder, with so much more empathy, so they don't become the mean girl that bullies. So they don't become the competitive person that then triggers off the other girl and the other girl and the other girl. It's like a domino effect, isn't it? Because go into this, you know, you could bring up a lovely child and then they go into a school environment or a social environment with other children and then you don't know what dramas they're going to bring into their life. So it's almost like if we could all just be better parents and bring up nicer kids. <laughs> and hopefully and give them the emotional kind of ammunition to, you know, be able to deal with some of this stuff. So let's say, you know, now we're obviously we social media, we we, we see the whole new side since having a business and everything. And uh, and it, it is scary as a mom to see that your kids are, you know, have this whole nother sphere yeah. of reality. There's a whole nother spectrum. It just needs to be that connection with your kids um, on, on a daily basis, whenever that might be, but there needs to be that connection. I always keep it close by, but that image of Kamala Harris and Michelle Obama hugging each other at the inauguration has been something that I try and show as many of my students as possible. And I think that's, you know, what you're saying is a very similar dream of mine is to see so many girls embracing each other, celebrating each other's successes. So it's been so nice to to be able to share that again with you. I think we're very aligned. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, people wanted to learn more about what you're doing, what is the best place for them to go to to get hold of your work? Websites, on our Instagram, there's email, there's phone numbers, there's, you know. It's all on there. Okay. I will link it all in the show notes for my listeners. I will let you all know where you can find these beautiful people. And I can assure you that if you do want to learn more about creativity and innovation with a wow factor, Ilari is the place to go to. Um, the Just as you've heard, they are absolutely inspirational from within. They're beautiful inside and out. And they're two people that you want to have in your life. And I feel so lucky to have them in mind. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you for everyone listening. It's been wonderful. Thanks so much. Such a pleasure. And that's everything from us today. Thank you to all of you for joining in and being part of these very important conversations. I hope you will continue to support our cause by sharing the podcast to raise awareness with others. If you get a moment and could rate and review the podcast, I would also be hugely grateful. I'd like to extend a very big thank you to Ryan Prestipino from the Pine Studios for all the hard work that he does to help me bring this podcast to all of you. Until next time, stay well and speak soon. Bye for now.